What's up, guys? I want to give a shout out to all the people that have been listening to the podcast for the last two full years, actually three full years. And I also want to give a shout out to all the new people who have been listening for the last couple weeks. Our numbers are consistently growing by dozens every single week. And I just want to give a huge shout out to all the new listeners out there. If you like the podcast, if you're enjoying the content, please subscribe, leave a review, share it with a friend or family member. Now right to the episode. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Life Coach Act podcast. I hope everyone's having an amazing day today. I got a very, very special guest. As you guys know, January is dry January, and I've been interviewing and having conversations with a lot of sobriety coaches. And today I have a really special sobriety coach. I have Bardia Rez, uh, also known as the Stop Drinking Coach on Instagram or Stop Drinking Coach on TikTok, and uh, he helps everyone take their life back become their best self. Uh, He's a life coach as well. And uh, you guys know sobriety is really important to me. It's January, dry January. We're trying to take a hiatus away from not only alcohol, but drugs, marijuana, the vape. And uh, I just want to have a conversation with him. So Bardia, man, great to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you reaching out and, and having me on, Zach. Absolutely. So for all the people out there that are listening today, why don't you tell them a little bit about your journey, how you came to be the stop drinking coach and what that looks like for you today? Cool, man. So yeah, let's dig into it. So, you know, alcohol has been kind of like a central theme from the day I was born. Um, I grew up in a really crazy dysfunctional family. My dad was an alcoholic and uh, he pretty much drank every single day. I, I never really knew him sober except Saturday mornings. And his alcoholism, I think, really contributed to a lot of the dysfunction in my family. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of like a, a crazy upbringing, not a lot of emotional stability, constant fights and arguments and just stuff that like is not conducive to a, to a, a normal childhood upbringing, you know? Um, when I turned like 12, my mom tried committing suicide because she was in a really bad place. And, you know, there was there was also drugs in the family. I have two older sisters. And so it was just kind of like a, a wild, wild west type situation, man. Um, and when I turned 14, uh, my dad died of alcohol poisoning in his sleep. And so that was, I think, the first kind of major t- turning point in my life. I mean, shit was crazy before then, but when that happened, I mean, it kind of just split my family apart. Um, and yeah, man, that, that was kind of crazy. You know, at that age, you don't really expect your parent to die. And so I think that was, that was a traumatic experience, but you know, as part of my journey, something really kind of couple really special things happened there. One, my uncle came down to help with the funeral and he gave me this book. He said, Hey, you should read this. And it was called, you'll see it when you believe it by Wayne Dyer. You might be familiar with him. Um, Really profound individual um, in the spiritual space and spiritual community. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago. But I read that book at 14 years old, right when my dad passed away. And that book introduced you to the concept of your consciousness and how your beliefs influence your reality and metacognition and having a higher level of awareness and your intentions and all these things. And, you know, at 14 years old, your mind is not even there. You're still hanging out. I mean, you're a freshman, like you're just, you don't have any conception of those things. And that just, it shifted my, my paradigm. I was like, it, 
it introduced me to this whole other spectrum of reality. And I became super passionate about, and it really set me down this rabbit hole of learning about spirituality and consciousness. And I got really into personal development and philosophy and psychology. And I kind of had read like every personal development book by the time I was like 19 or 20. Um, so, you know, at that point also, right when my dad passed away, this guy comes into my life. He was, his name was Sean. He was dating my sister at the time. He was like 28. I was 14. He was like making multiple six figures, the successful guy, also a few years sober. And he kind of became like my older brother slash mentor. And he was a really special person in my life who, um, I could kind of look up to and kind of filled that space for me. Um, I inevitably get into high school, right? And sophomore year, I start partying. And the first time I picked up alcohol, I became a binge drinker. I couldn't just have one, right? Kind mm -hmm. of the, a switch would go off inside me and I had to have 10. I had to have 12 to the point where I either got sick or threw up or just got really, really drunk. I could never control it. Right. Um, and yeah, man, pretty much from, from the time I started drinking, like I knew it was a problem. Um, because half of me, right, was really oriented around achieving my potential and personal growth and becoming the best version of myself. But then once I got a taste of this alcohol and this dopamine response, like, dude, I became a fucking fiend for it. And so from the ages of 15 to 29, I was stuck in this alcohol cycle. I mean, I was binge drinking two to three days per week. On the outside, you probably couldn't tell. You'd be like, oh, Bardia just loves to party. You know, I was kind of like any, anybody else in their 20s, a weekend warrior, right? You work hard, party hard. Right. But inside, it was absolutely destroying my soul. I was at, it was a constant war inside me because there was a part of me that was like always trying to be successful and figure out, like, I just knew I had more potential, right? And I came from a place that was like kind of dark and I was like, I, I don't want that you know, but like I was so addicted to this, this dopamine feeding from, from the alcohol, right? Like I'd get super hammered Thursday, Friday, Saturday, hangovers would last until Wednesday or Thursday would finally start feeling better, would conveniently forget about all the pain and destruction and would do it over again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, throughout that time I tried AA a bunch of times I, you know, saw a therapist and, and nothing really seemed to help. Um, until, you know, fast forward, I'm 29. This is, you know, almost two and a half years ago, pandemic hits and can, you know, world kind of goes into chaos and, you know, I start working from home. You lose that sense of accountability and I start drinking every day, very, very rapidly. The volume increases and I got up to drinking like four to six bottles of wine and a pack of cigarettes a day. And I did that for like six months and dude, shit just like got bad. You know, I was breaking yeah. down mentally, emotionally, energetically, you know, I was throwing up, I was getting super emotional and it just, it wasn't good, man. <clears throat> and then finally, like it gets to this point where I hit this rock bottom and, and what my rock bottom was, there was this, there's this day I was drinking, I was hammered. My buddy invites me to the pool. We go, we, he, he like challenges me to a race and like, I've always been a really fast swimmer. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And I start racing him and I'm swinging like my arms so aggressively that my left shoulder like rips out of its socket and I severely dislocate my left shoulder and it's just like mangled and like hanging. Were you drunk at the time? I was drunk. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. Of course. And okay. so all of a sudden I feel this like crackle pop rip and I like stop 
And dude, I get up in my arms like hanging and it was just literally the most excruciating. I'd never felt pain like this before. And oh. in that moment, I was just like, life kind of flashed before my eyes. I was like, this is it. Like, I can't ignore the pain anymore. I can't weasel my way around it. I can't come up with excuses. I can't like the pain was was it was so glaring. And I was like, this wouldn't have happened if I if I was drinking, you know. Right. And so just that that track record and that trajectory I was on, I happened to be 29 at the time. And I was turning 30 in a few months. And um, when I went into some deep self-reflection, I was like, I'm nowhere fucking near the person I thought I would be at 30 years old, right? We all have this conception in our mind of like our higher self or like the version of ourself. If only we were unafraid, if only we got over the anxiety, if only we stepped into our power, like, and I was nowhere near that guy. And I had a, like, that scared me. And I knew that in that moment, like the only thing that was ever holding me back in my life was alcohol. When I wasn't drinking, like I was a stud, I was dialed in, I was productive, I was focused, but it was always self-sabotage, taking myself five steps back every time I took two steps forward. So in that moment, I made what seemed like the absolute most terrifying decision of my life because up until that point, alcohol was my favorite thing. It was God to me, you know? Um, but the pain was clear and and I had a vision. I had a vision for my potential. And I knew there was more to life than just getting fucked up, than just drinking. And so at that time, um, I ended up working with a coach one-on-one. -on -one. I moved to Austin, became a coach throughout that year, went deep into my healing journey, coached a bunch of men, led retreats. And, uh, you know, 2021 was really, um, no, 2020 was really one of the most profound transformational years of my life. Um, I worked with them for like a year and a half and then ended up parting ways. And uh, a few months later, was poked, posting about my sobriety journey on TikTok. And um, one thing led to another. And I'm like, hey, there's there's a massive need here. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, man, Stop Drinking Coach was built organically from that. Wow. Now, you know, to date, it's it's been nine months or so. I've helped almost 100 people quit drinking alcohol. And um, it's been a it's been a wild journey. And even more to come. Oh, yeah, for sure. Even more to come. I'm proud of you. Thanks, you know, there, there's, there's so many things that I can piggyback off of. And there's so many questions I have for you. And there's so many little anecdotes and stories that I want to share. And, and for the people that are watching on YouTube, you can see a, a pad in front of me. And I'm writing down so many things because there's so many different ways I can take this conversation. But the first thing I want to say that I want to acknowledge you for and that I want other people to really, really resonate with and understand is that – Sometimes one small book can change your, the direction of your life in a massive way. And the book for you was a Wayne Dyer book, Law of Attraction and Consciousness and Awareness and things like that. And for me, it was A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, which is oh, pretty yeah. much, you know, very similar, very yeah. similar book. It, it was when I read that book, it was the moment I realized that I am not my thoughts. I'm the awareness wow. of my thoughts. I can change my thoughts. Yes. I can choose not to agree with my thoughts, whether it's self-doubt, self-limiting beliefs, you know, being self-conscious. You know, I would acknowledge that my brain's telling me I can't do this. You know what? Fuck you, brain. I'm going to try anyway. And that's yeah. where amazing things happen on the other side of that, right? Dude, and I, I yeah, and I was recommended that book by a life coach that I reached out to because I was struggling with addiction to a lot of things, 
you know, I was on, I don't know if you know much about me, but I was on a reality TV show called Big Brother back in 2014. I was 23 at the time, just graduated college. I'm a little older than you, three years older than you, and maybe two years. And uh, long story short, you come out with like, these followers and people paying you to show up to meet and greets. And, you know, I, I had money on the calendar for three, four months, and I thought I was, you know, God's gift to earth. My ego got huge. I became a narcissistic, pretentious douchebag. And I became an asshole. And I started abusing drugs and alcohol. And I thought I was this shit. And I was going out to clubs. And I was buying bottles. And I was uh, abusing cocaine. And I was staying up till four in the morning, drinking until I either puked or completely blacked out. Right? So it was the exact same thing. Right? And, um, you know, it, it, it took me reaching out for help, having the humility to say, hey, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. I need to find someone who can mentor me, right? And you've become that beacon, that lighthouse for other people to help yeah. them, you know, get their sobriety under control. So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I wanted to say uh, from, from your story that I love so much is like, you know, from the pandemic, so many people took advantage of that time to start a podcast, to start a business, to, you know, go after their, you know, their dreams because no one expected anything from anybody because we couldn't even leave our house. Right? right. So I love how you started your coaching business in the pandemic. I started my coaching business in the pandemic and look where we are now, you know, connecting through, you know, personal growth and self development. So this is, this is the next thing I want to say, and I'll get to some questions, but there's just so much value that you brought to that story that I want to elaborate on. So I'm going to take another 30 seconds real quick, but you know, the people that are listening that might not say, hey, I didn't tear my shoulder swimming like an idiot drunk. Or, hey, for me, it was, you know, I almost got in a, a car accident because I was, not that I was behind the wheel, but the person with me was behind the wheel and I almost died that night. And that was my like wake up moment. Holy shit, I'm waking up with nosebleeds every single morning, spending 600 bucks a night of money I don't even really have, you know, to impress people I don't really even know. Mm. I feel like shit the next day. So I guess- my question for you here is the people that are listening, they're like, hey, I don't really have a problem. At least I don't think it's a problem. Could they have a blind spot? Is it possible that people that think they don't have a problem actually do have a problem? And maybe reaching out to you or exploring other resources for sobriety could open up their eyes to something they might not be aware of right now? Yeah, man, that's a great question. And before I answer that, I want to piggyback off of what you talked about in the new earth, the introduction to that you are not your the voice in your head, you are not your thoughts. When you begin to understand that as a human being, that is when you will begin to ascend and evolve in consciousness and develop more agency in your life. That is the critical step. And for some people, it can happen in an instant with a book. Other people need five years of therapy to learn how to disassociate from the voice inside their head. But for those of you guys listening, that is one of the fundamental things that I teach my clients and is an absolutely critical factor in your evolution as a human being if you want to begin to heal your trauma if you want to begin to be more mentally and emotionally regulated and have more control over the present moment and the direction of your life. So I just, I wanted to reiterate that, man, because that's so, so important. Well said. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's an interesting thing with alcohol, right? Because if you look at our society today, there's kind of two archetypes, right? You look at m music, movies, media, television, there's the person who can just kind of drink all the time, right? And just they're a party person or, you know, let's have a drink or let's celebrate with a drink, right? And they kind of hold their shit down. 
But then the other extreme is the alcoholic who's drinking out of a brown paper bag, very severe case, right? The, the mind is interesting. You have these two anchors. You're like, okay, well, as, as long as I'm not that, I must be okay, right? And so people say, okay, either you're a partier or you just like to have a good time or you're an alcoholic. The problem is, is that there's a spectrum and that spectrum is called alcohol use disorder. And so alcohol use disorder represents any sort of dysfunctional relationship with alcohol where it is getting in the way of you really being the best version of yourself. So even if you're not drinking every single day, but you're drinking two days a week, let's say Friday and Saturday, but you have to drink Friday and Saturday. Like you get that itch, you get that craving after work. And if your Saturday doesn't involve alcohol, going to a bar, doing something like it's going to be boring, right? Like that would, that would qualify as a form of alcohol use disorder, right? If, if, if you don't think it's a problem, challenge yourself to not drink for 30 days, right. challenge yourself to drink, not drink for 90 days and mm -hmm. watch and observe your mind. Where does your mind go and watch and observe and notice your body? What is your emotional state? Are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling withdrawals? Are you feeling agitated? Is your mood unstable or irritable? Right? So ultimately it's like, Hey man, if you want to drink, drink, you can live your life whatever way you want to, right? Like you're an adult, you're making your own decisions, but when you dig deeper into this world, you understand that like at the end of the day, alcohol represents a form of instant gratification, either through the instant pursuit of pleasure or the instant relief of pain. And the way that it does that is by augmenting your neurochemistry, increasing dopamine, increasing GABA, and there's no free lunch in nature. So I have this video that, that kind of got a lot of attention recently on TikTok, and it's like, hey, drinking alcohol is like buying up a bunch of debt. You get a million dollar limit on this credit card, and what you're doing is you're spending money you don't have. So in the present moment, you're drinking a substance that's affect, you're taking a drug that's affecting your neurochemistry, but that doesn't come for free. There's a debt that you have to pay back later, namely the hangover, the anxiety that you feel the next day, the lack of motivation, the lack of energy, the lack of clarity, the brain fog, not following through and being consistent on going to the gym or your other responsibilities. Right. So at the end of the day, it's like we have to take a personal self inventory and we have to reflect on who we are. We have to reflect on our mental state, our emotional patterns. And then we kind of have to, in a way, like if we have, if you have a growth mindset, which I'd imagine you probably do, if you're listening to Zach's podcast, you have to think like, okay, who do I want to be in a year or in five years or 10 years? What's the vision for my life? What are some of the goals that I have? And you have to think of like, is alcohol slowing me down? Is it holding me back? Right. If I want to make more money, but I'm just getting blasted on the weekends, like, those weekends are precious time that I could be spent using to develop my skills or building a side hustle or networking or something along those lines. Right. If right. I'm married and I have kids, right. And like, I have the most important job of raising a sensitive blank slate of consciousness and shaping it and molding it and teaching it how to regulate and building its confidence and self-esteem. But I'm drinking every single night. Like, is that potentially getting in the way of me being the best mother or father or leader for my family so that I can raise you know, an optimal human being. Yeah. So I think it's really just about being honest. The thing about alcohol that like we, everybody conveniently like glosses over is that dude, nobody gets out unscathed. Alcohol is poison. 
So everybody feels the consequences. Everybody feels the hangover, the anxiety the next day. Everybody feels like they just want to lounge around and fucking order Netflix, you know, order food and watch Netflix. Like everybody feels the downstream consequences. It's whether you're self-aware and conscious enough to realize like, hey, this is potentially getting in the way. Like I'm not super happy at my job. I would love to make more money. I can barely afford rent in a major city, like, but I'm getting fucked up every weekend. I'm spending all my time at bars. Like, hmm, maybe if I try cutting out the alcohol for 90 days or six months, let's see how I feel. Let's see how this would change my productivity, my energy, my focus. Love that. I and I think to to summarize that, you said it perfectly. Nobody gets out unscathed. Right. So my question was, you know, for people that are listening that don't really have a problem, is it possible that they might have a problem? Well, you answer that perfectly by saying, hey, look, it, it's up to you to decide if you have a problem or not. But at the end of the day, no one's going to get out of this unscathed. OK, but if you are listening to this podcast and you can unequivocally acknowledge that you do have a problem, please, please, please reach out to the Stop Drinking Coach on Instagram or you can visit www.thestopdrinkingcoach.com. You can work with him one-on-one, okay? So if you have a problem, please reach out to him. And if you have a problem, you can reach out to me as well. I'm on this sobriety journey as well. I don't specialize in helping people get sober, but I do have a ton of clients who I do co-create an action plan with that involves a hiatus from alcohol and and they've seen a ton of success. So I, I love how you say that. No one gets through unscathed. So as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, I am currently going through a dry January And that includes alcohol and marijuana. As someone who recreationally would use marijuana often over the last 15 years, I got to a point where I realized it was holding me back, but it was so hard for me to disidentify as someone who enjoyed marijuana when a lot of people that I know and a lot of people that I admire and respect because of not only their family success, but their business success and their fitness success smoke marijuana. And, and for some reason, I thought, oh, like for an example, when I see Elon Musk smoking marijuana, it makes me feel and think that marijuana is okay because this guy's worth at one point $300 billion. Now he's worth probably half of that. Um, and, you know, people like Joe Rogan, who, you know, obviously some people like him, some people don't. I like to listen to his podcast. I think he has great things to say, but, uh, you know, he talks about marijuana. And then you have people who I really admire and respect, like Dr. Joe Dispenza or Dave Asprey, who are, you know, biohackers per se. And, you know, they don't really use marijuana. And, and there are people who, you know, maybe on the fence as well. But for me, I said, you know what, I'm going to take 30 days, I'm going to stop smoking marijuana currently on day 30. I haven't smoked since of last year. And let me tell you something, I feel fucking incredible. I feel absolutely fucking incredible. I sleep great. I wake up feeling great. I'm getting a lot more done in my business. I'm making a lot more moves and uh, it's, it's, it's been really great. So, you know, for me, I also feel this sense of obligation, this responsibility, accountability, you can call it to my clients, you know, to my brand, got to protect my brand that, Hey, I am someone who cares about health, wealth, and happiness. And marijuana right now doesn't fit into that equation. Now, is this a forever thing? I don't know, but it's definitely a for now thing. You know, there are people who can stop drinking forever and they identify as alcoholics and they were born that way and they they have to refrain from alcohol for the rest of their lives. I don't know if that's you or not, but 
for those people that are going along that journey, I admire, I respect, and I love your faith to go on and living a sober life for the rest of your life. But there are people who just need, hey, let me get myself in check real quick. And that's how you said it, you know. So for you, and this is a personal question for you, how important is this accountability factor for you to stay sober? Um, accountability is, is super, super important, man. Um, they did a study that found that if somebody has accountability, there's a 94% increase of their chances of having success. Nice. So accountability just, there's something primal, something deeply biological to it. And accountability is super, super important. So not only from a coach to my clients, providing them a sense of accountability, but in a way it's a symbiotic relationship because as I'm providing service and embodying this message and everything else in this lifestyle, working with them, they keep me accountable, right? Like this whole, this whole thing that I'm creating keeps me accountable. Um, so yeah, I think accountability is super, super important, man. Like there's a quote that an, an old mentor of mine said, he said, we're more, we're willing to do more for others than we are willing to do for ourselves, which is interesting. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I've had several, several of my clients tell me, it's like, dude, if, if it wasn't for you, like I, you know, I don't want to show up and have to feel the guilt and shame of being like, you know, I, I fucked up or whatever. So, um, dude, accountability is super, super, super important on any journey, right? I think whatever it is, whether you're trying to lose weight, fitness, making money, business, like having uh, a like-minded group of people and somebody that you have to answer to, it's just going to fucking get like, we try to overcomplicate things, but it's just going to keep you in shape. Like right. if you don't have accountability, you're going to fuck off. You're going to try to stay safe and comfortable. That is our biological tendency, yep. right? So it's like, you need, you need, you need somebody to sharpen your ax. You need somebody to pull you forward, move you outside of your zone of comfort and accountability provides that. Right. And to elaborate on accountability for a little bit before I get to my next question, I knew going into my sobriety journey of dry January and of refraining from marijuana, I knew that accountability was going to be big for me. And I didn't want to just rely on myself or my sobriety calendar that I got hanging up right here. So I actually went, at, went ahead and I hired a sobriety coach and I reached out to someone who I found on social media that specialized in helping people stop smoking weed. And I work and I'm working with him and he is a coach on my team and he is now helping me get sober. So, you know, if 94% increase of success means you will actually stop drinking, why not? And, and don't, and don't let money, don't let other people's opinions, don't let anything else hold you back, guys. If you want to get sober, reach out to Bardia. If you want help in your life to get fit, to feel better, to reduce anxiety and depression, reach out to me. Both our DMs are open. I do this podcast not only to connect with amazing people like Bardia, I do this podcast to help people. And I'm only helping you if you are applying the knowledge that is spoken, the wisdom that we discussed today. And as someone who's big into philosophy like you, Bardia, what is the most impactful wise words of philosophy that you've heard that you carry on with you day in and day out? Hmm. That's a good one, man. Um, man, there's so many. I mean, you get into Stoic philosophy and Marcus Aurelius and, you know, Seneca. And I mean, there there's so many. Um, or just pick one that really sticks out of you. It may not be yeah, your favorite. Yeah. 
I, I think one that's important and relevant to this journey is this quote by Carl Jung, right? Famous psychologist. And he says, um, man will do anything, no matter how absurd, in order to avoid confronting his own soul, right? Until you make the unconscious conscious, the unconscious will will run your life. Mm. And um, I think that is that is the underlying fabric and foundation of the consciousness journey of the human evolutionary journey, journey mentally and emotionally and spiritually, right? Because and, and this all goes back to learning how to observe your mind and to disidentify from the voice in your head, right? Like human beings, by and large, we're just like a supercomputer. And we just operate based off of patterns and repetition, right? We've got neural pathways and things that we practice become unconsciously, we be, they become automatic patterns and we become unconscious of them and we live in autopilot. And so a lot of our behaviors, our actions, our thoughts, all of these oftentimes are rooted in our unconscious, right? So you've got the conscious, you've got the unconscious mind, right? And so until you start to really dig in and identify what are the unconscious programs that are running my life at every level, psychologically, emotionally, my tendencies, my habits, my behaviors, my, my thoughts, my patterns, until you shine light on those, they will continue to run your life and you may continue to run into the same problems and make the same yep. mistakes over and over and over again. But the thing about that journey is that it's often, it's like, it's the shadow work, right? It's being able to look in and shine light on the parts of ourselves that we've denied or rejected or have been shameful about or um, have, have been unafraid to, or have been afraid to really look at because they're rooted oftentimes in pain and childhood trauma and rejection or, or whatever else it might be. So it's like, I think part of a, a really, really important part of this whole deal is like, dude, as you get into your 30s, if you want to start to have a sense of agency, if you start to want to be able to have a good life where you feel regulated and balanced and peaceful and feel like you're in control, you have to go back and begin addressing your trauma. Because all of the dysregulation that we experience mentally and emotionally as an adult is oftentimes rooted in unprocessed mental and emotional memories and patterns from our past. And until you go back and make the unconscious conscious and learn how to reprocess those experiences and reintegrate them into yourself as an adult, they will continue to run your life. Love it. How important consciousness and awareness is. And a couple hacks I'm going to throw out there before we wrap up this podcast episode. I think the number one hack to increase your consciousness or awareness is a daily meditation practice. Guys, Absolutely. I recommend transcendental meditation. That's what I've been doing since 2019, been a daily meditator since 2017. It's mantra-based meditation, 20 minutes in the morning, 15, 20 minutes in the afternoon. That's going to help you increase your consciousness and your awareness. Another hack that I like to share, which has really helped me a lot. I don't do it anymore, but I did it for probably a year and a half, two years straight. I would set an alarm on my watch to go off every single hour on the mm. hour. And I would ask myself a few questions. I would say, what did I do over the last hour? Was I disciplined over the last hour? Did I stay on task over the last hour? And am I currently doing what I want to be doing? And checking in with yourself each and every single hour or maybe you know, three times a day would really help you increase your awareness and your consciousness around your behavior. And it really just gets you to think. It's like a prompt. It's like, oh, yeah. let me think. 
what have I been doing? Where's my thoughts been at? Is my head in the clouds or am I focused on, you know, what I'm trying to do to push the envelope in my business or my life or my health and, and whatever and so forth. And then I think the last one that I kind of want to throw out there is journaling. Mm-hmm. And however you want to journal, if you want to write dear journal, this is how I feel today. Great. If you want to journal what you did that day, great. If you want to journal what you plan on doing that day, great. If you want to journal what you're eating that day, great. Let's not think too much. Let's think less and let's do more. So those are my hacks. Any consciousness or awareness hacks that you want to share with uh, the audience before we wrap up today? Um, yeah, man, I think all those are are great. One of the, the fundamental strategies that I, that I teach all my clients and that you begin to kind of discover through long-term meditation is the way I've begun to begin interpreting my human operating system and experience of reality. And, and this is like pretty profound and can really change the trajectory of your life if you really tap into this, is that there's actually three layers of reality. The first layer of reality, and I call them L1, L2, and L3, or level one, level two, and level three. The first layer of reality is our consciousness. And our consciousness is our awareness. And that is who and what we fundamentally are, is consciousness, the observer connected to the present moment. And that is what you are as a human being. Everything else is a story. It's made up. It's using the fabric and construct of language. And language was made up. And language is comprised of symbols and meanings. And all those can be changed. That's why you don't understand Spanish or another language. It's gibberish to you. So language is a construct. But what you fundamentally are is consciousness and awareness. And if you can continue to cultivate a relationship where you are living as pure awareness, observing yourself, that is where you're going to have the the biggest shifts in your experience of life. The second layer of reality is the mind. The mind is like this software program. It just repeats lines of code. And all the lines of code that it repeats are basically just all your experiences and memories from the past, right? So just like a software, you've got all these lines of code, you press enter and it executes the commands. It repeats them over and over and over again. Most people are identified with their mind, meaning the voice in their head, that's who they think they are. So if the voice is debilitating, then they're debilitated. If the voice is angry or frustrated, then they're angry or frustrated. Then you have L3, which is the body and the body's like the vehicle and it houses the sensations. Feelings and emotions are just shifts in our energetic state. The meaning that you apply to the emotions is what produces or colors your experience of reality. So meditation fundamentally helps you begin to become aware of as a distinct fact that you are the witness and the observer and that the mind and body are these distinct and almost separate phenomenon that you can create distance around, you can observe. And when you can learn to observe them slowly but surely throughout your life, you go from being somebody who's reactive to responsive. Mm. And the difference there is being able to decouple the trigger or the stimulus that would normally make you react to creating a pause in between to observe and then choosing an intelligent response or an intelligent uh, behavior or action that's actually conducive to helping you get to where you want to go. So thinking about the three layers of reality and always trying to maintain a state of living in L1 as the observer. That's it. Wow. Interesting. Good guy. My freaking man. All right, cool. Well, to to all the people that are listening, uh, thank you so much for your time, energy, and attention today. If you're listening on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, maybe you're listening on iHeartRadio or Pandora, which we are now on those platforms as well. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to review. Don't forget to share with a friend or family member. We're continuing to rise up the charts and it's all because of you guys. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks so much for sticking around. Up until the end, I'm going to drop the link to Bardia's website below, uh, www.thestopdrinkingcoach.com. He does one-on-one private coaching to help you quit drinking, take your life back, become your best self. Bardia, thank you so 
so much for your time today. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. Thank you guys for listening. What's up, guys? I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We have hundreds of weekly listeners, and I want to make sure that everyone listening is hyper aware of how I can serve them best. So if you're interested in hiring me as your life coach or hiring me as your nutritionist, or maybe you just want to get some free advice, head over to lifecoachzack.com, book a free 30-minute consultation, serious inquiries only. And I would love to ask you serious, open-ended, powerful questions that are going to help you pivot your life in a better direction. Let's co-create an action plan and really step in to the greatest version of ourselves. 